and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name's Paul Joy and I want to say welcome. Welcome aboard, whether you're tuning in via iTunes, Google Play or Spotify. However you're tuning into this episode, I know you're going to love it. I sit down today with Mark Boys from the class of 1987 and I tell you what, this guy has done and seen and touched some things that most of us only dream of. He's been to NASA, worked at NASA, he's been inside those space shuttles. It's extraordinary some of the things that he's been privileged and privy to be part of. And as we track through some of Mark's experiences at Yarra and how that has led him to be working at NASA. It's quite remarkable. 30 years since he's been here at Yarra and it was my privilege to welcome him back in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne here at Yarra Valley Grammar. Here's the conversation with Mark Boys. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra and today we are delighted to be joined by Mr. Mark Boys from the class of 1987. Mark, that is almost... In fact, it is. It's beyond 30 years ago. It's a long, long time, <laughs> isn't it, Paul? But welcome back. Welcome <laughs> back. You. It's great to have you here and uh, to sit down and, and chat with us for a few minutes. And uh, what we want to do is explore a little bit about your memories of Yarra Valley Grammar. And sure. uh, our podcast is called Inspired by Yarra. And uh, we might dig deep into some of uh, the ways that Yarra has inspired you and where you are today. But I wonder if you can think back to 1987 and you turned up here as a, a wee lad in Year 7. Mm-hmm. What was the uniform like back then? What do you remember? Oh, it was very grey from my remember. I think it was grey shorts and a potentially grey shirt and a grey jumper, and it was, yeah, not very colourful except for the yellow and the little red bits on the on the logo, and that yeah. was about it. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a hat? I don't remember having a hat, no. Shorts? Definitely had shorts. Okay. Yep. All year or did you have to wear uh, long oh, no, trousers? You had, to, you had to wear the blazer in winter. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, and possibly trousers in winter as well you had to wear. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, where did you hang out? Who were your tribe? Who were your people? Um, I hung out mostly in the gym. Okay. We had, um, back in those days, there was a basketball court near the tuck shop and, and behind the basketball court there was a gym. Right. So I used to hang out. In the gym, most lunch times, and and what do you what activities are you gym as in a gymnasium as where they weightlifting right type stuff like, okay you know, there was it was all about how much you could bench press in those days yeah too right yeah so there was a couple of guys in our year that could bench press quite a lot okay and so was, yeah and uh, and all very above board and had spotters and doing all the thing I'm sure it oh. was <laughs> it's all safety first Paul of yes. course of course <laughs> I uh, I remember those days at not trying to lift weights but uh, you know I'm such sure is we the doing, time yeah I'm sure we we're doing it way before we should have been doing it so do you have a, a PB that you no, can remember not these days Paul. <laughs> No, but right. something 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 around the one twenty kilos for bench press was a, was the benchmark or something around that. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. And a, and a, a little student oriented gig or were there staff on board who were sort of supervising? Uh, yeah, I think and Mr Crawley used to pop his head in every now and then, but um, yeah, all student led. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a lunchtime thing that you would uh, go mm-hmm. and hang there. Yeah. What about uh, where were the favourite places to be? 
during class time? What were the the subjects uh, effectively? Oh, subjects. Did you did you you went to class? Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. did you enjoy going to class? Well, it was pretty exciting those times. We we in year seven we got a an Apple Mac, and you, I remember you could program the tortoise to go from one end of the screen to the yeah. other, and that was pretty exciting. That's good. Um, yeah, so it's come a long way since then. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I remember a few years later, we actually, in senior school, we had a, a punch card computer as well. That, so that was, right. you know, you used to have probably 150 punch cards and you could print out a picture of Mickey Mouse or something like that. So it was... Right. Yeah. So you feed those punch cards in, in? Into the computer and then it would print out on a dot matrix printer yeah. a picture of Mickey Mouse. So it was, yeah. How's that? Now that, that was now state of the art back then. There, <laughs> there'll be some people listening to this who will go, what is a dot matrix printer? Yeah. Can you? Well, it's basically a continuous sheet of paper that had um, holes on the side and it would feed the paper through yeah. uh, one after another. So Fairly slow? Very slow, yeah. We'd just print basically, you know, line by line and then feed the printer, the, you know, like a typewriter essentially, yeah. Colour? No, no, God wasn't colour. <laughs> it's black and white. How things have changed. <clears throat> yes. I wonder. I wonder when uh, when you were turning up to class and you were engaged in what was study like in terms of did you do you recall having homework? Did you you know work hard in that area? I'm sure we did, but I'm sure I didn't do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're sounding like a model student. I was. Look, look. To be honest, Paul, um, I went through most of my. Uh, most most of my time at Yarra, thinking I wasn't very academic. Like I don't, I don't think I did particularly well in many subjects at school, and uh, um, but I did enjoy the arts, and I did very well in the arts subjects, okay. such as graphics and graphic design. I think we called it back in those days. Um, so I enjoyed those subjects the most, and I, therefore the ones that subjects I enjoyed the most, I did well in. Yeah. Um, so um, I. Was okay at maths. Uh-huh. Wasn't so good at English and literature, but I was okay in in the art subjects. Right. Yeah. And would you say then you were a creative, artistic person? Um, I didn't really consider myself to be so, um, but because I guess it was all about benchmarking. You, know, you always benchmark yourself mm. on the best person in the, in the grade, and there was. There was this one guy in my year that was just phenomenal at graphics. Mm. Could hand drawn, you know, life drawing was just spot on. So you always looked at him going, oh, I'd never be that good. Okay. But I think I was better than I gave myself credit for. And I think that came to life later in life where, you know, I went on to study, you know, as I said, I didn't consider myself very academic at school, but, you know, later in life, um, into my 40s, I. You know, went and studied a master's degree and then a PhD. Right. Um, in? Well, my PhD was actually um, like basically in creative creative thinking and critical thinking. Wow. Um, and I actually did that at NASA. Um, so I travelled to the States and did my PhD research at NASA. So went through all of these years not considering myself very academic but ended up being working in academia. And now I actually wow. teach design thinking and creativity and innovation at university. Gosh. So, um, what a turnaround. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's freaks me out. It still freaks me out to this day to think that I could I actually went through all of those schooling years not thinking I was very good at doing what, you know, at schoolwork. Yes. Yeah. And, and 
you did mention that you perhaps enjoyed hanging out in the, the graphics room and, and yeah. that sort of artistic creative, even though you weren't the best, yeah. but not academic. And yet, so you're still in that creative field now. Yeah. I'm really interested to know a little bit more about NASA sure. and your time in NASA. So uh, what does that look like when you go there? How long were you there? What, oh, you know, did you look. have to put a special suit on to get into the <laughs> facility? or? Well, I had to jump through a lot of hoops in terms of Homeland Security. Um, right. to, to go there, yeah. um, to get access. What um, age around about are you getting in there? Um, so this was three years ago. Okay, so, right, yeah, fairly recent. So I was in, in my mid, mid to late 40s. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. That's now, okay. You can work it out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I had to you know, jump through a lot of hoops in terms of getting access to uh, the facilities. Yeah. Um, and although NASA doesn't do any top secret work. They don't do any work for the NSA or anything like that. It's all uh-huh. very open. And in fact, their their whole platform is based on open innovation. Right. So they share all of the developments or innovations that they've developed for particular missions um, with, and they share it openly on their website. Yeah. Um, and they actually invite companies to take up those innovations and put it back into the economy. Right. So that, that's their basis for funding. I see. So... Um, a lot of administrative hoops to jump through. Um, but, however, once I got there, um, what struck me the most was that it was very military-like in terms of its facilities. Mm. You know, and a lot of these um, old 50s buildings that are separated like 150 metres apart mm-hmm. and, you know, like like military bunkers, yeah. basically. Um, each building having its own function. Um, such as engineering here and, yes. you know, um, this is where we manage the Hubble telescope, for example. Um, and that struck me as unusual because, you know, NASA is the most innovative organisation in, in America. Mm-hmm. Single, yeah, you know, hands down. And, and you expect, yet... You expect to go there expecting to think, oh, it's like Google, you know, where are the slides, where are the foosball tables, you know, none of that. And, and it was um, what, and I think that was one of my outcomes of the research was that it's not about that. It's right. about the people and it's about the, the management structures and mm. the, the, you know, the permission to fail. Mm. And, and, and at NASA, one of the main things is that they fail fast, fail cheap, fail safe. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's okay to fail, but do it within a certain parameters. Yeah. Don't do it on the launch pad. And yes. they learnt their lessons, right? Yes. They've, they had a number of, you know, during their time here or at Yarra, you know, during the 80s in the shuttle program, they mm. had a lot of issues mm. um, and some serious consequences. Yeah. But So they've learnt their lessons and that's one thing that struck me is they learn their lessons and actually apply that back into the organisation. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, so that notion of the environment, the physical environment, is not as... Uh, instrumental in creativity as the the management of the people and the it's, expectations of leadership and and yeah. fail fast fail within some parameters yeah. and then learn from that and get on and go again yeah but it's it's probably more it's pretty deeper than that too it's more about the vision and why we're here and right. you know the staff like you mentioned before they love their job uh-huh. you know they love everything about NASA I mean it's like Geek City, yeah, absolutely. But these people put their heart and soul into their work. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and when you're saying the the external like the facilities, when you go inside, that's where the magic happens. Right. Okay. So yeah, inside, and, and more ins- modern. And in, well, no, not necessarily more modern, but the technology that they're okay. they're inventing, they're creating, they're um, yeah. We 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 got we're very privileged to have a tour of the where they were building the James Webb Telescope, um, and this this is you know the next generation Hubble. Um, which will be launched next year, I believe. Mm. <clears throat> and we got a, a tour of the facilities and the clean rooms and the and and the the testing facilities where they test us these things, which is just incredible. Huge, big buildings that you just, are just built solely to put a satellite into a room and shake the bejeebas out of it. I see. Just yes. to make sure that it will cope with the launch. Yes. Yep. Yes. Another building. Where they just, they have these speakers that were probably twelve foot tall, so they can just bombard it with sound waves to yeah. make sure that it can cope with the noise of the liftoff. You know, it's incredible. Wow, just incredible. And your purpose when you were there? So my purpose was to work. I worked with the engineering department and working with their project managers to help them be more creative in terms of their um, execution of projects. So typically projects are a, what we call a, a convergent process. So we converge on a particular endpoint mm. and they're convergent all the way from conception all the way to um, delivery. Yeah. Um, so we were looking at ways how we could add more divergent thinking into the project execution to get a better outcome. So not don't... Don't funnel in too quickly. Correct. Let's try and keep our thinking yeah. broad as long as we can. That's right. So right. my thesis developed a model that actually in certain points of a project um, is you need to stop and actually engage in some divergent thinking. Given now what we know now, so we've been to this point in time, mm. where should we go from here? Mm. And it may not change course dramatically, but it's just like, hey, we've learned some things. Let's feed back that, lo- that yes. learning back into the project. Because as we <clears throat> move forward on a project, mm. we are constantly, we're now in a different place. Correct. We've got different information available right. to us, different statistics, different data, different understanding. Correct. Therefore, maybe there is a different pathway that we need to explore. Correct. That's right. Exactly I see. Right. So yeah. the, model, the model tackles that issue in terms of a project management methodology. Yes. So how does that apply to your work back here? Does it apply? Do you do you are you practicing this in your own life, yeah. in your own business, in your own sure. coaching of others? How how yeah. does it work? So it doesn't directly influence my, my main work, if you like. I'm an applications manager um, in the business intelligence space, so in IT. So I've been working in technical projects for about twenty years and that's Hence why I decided to go and do the study because I've seen so many times in, in IT project management where you converge to a point where yeah. you've built something that the user didn't want. Yeah, often. Yeah, it happens all the time. Sure. Yeah, look at Windows Vista, for example. Uh-huh. You know, it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, so working in that space prompted me to go and do that research. Yes. So that has I haven't applied this research outside of academia at this point. I see. But... I intend to. Sure. Yeah. Maybe want to write my book and go on the road and, yeah. Terrific. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And just to think that way back when you were a, uh, a student here at Yarra Valley Grammar, mm. going to NASA would have been the furthest thing of, on oh, your mind. yeah. Look, I, I, 
I was fascinated by the shuttle program as a teenager. Sure. Yeah, as we all were at that age. And you, you know. got to go and kick it around. And I, I actually got to go and touch a real-life shuttle, <laughs> yeah, and have been, you know, in places where other people haven't. Absolutely. And, and the beauty was it too, I got to take my son. Yeah, at oh. the time he was 10 years old and um, he came on the tours with me and so he probably one of the only Australian boys that have been inside some of those <laughs> inner sanctums. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so he was chuffed. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So as a young lad, you yourself, going back to your own experiences, are there any experiences that you had when you were a young person, when you were at school, mm. that you think were um, fundamental to your growth and development that you think all all kids should experience a, a thing like that, yeah. whether it's going on a hike or a camp or yeah. sitting in the front row of a maths class or was there an experience that you had that you think actually that was important? I think the most important experience, particularly in school, was the relationship to the teachers. Yeah, I think fundamentally that's what drives you to do better and do better in your learning. And, you know, there's a number of teachers that I can remember. Um, I probably would remember all of their names, but um, that I remember had a profound influence on on me. Mm. Yeah. And it's the relationship more so than content or their Absolutely. their understanding or their uh, profession of wisdom or whatever. It, it's relationship. It's the relationship. Mm. Yeah, mm. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we pride ourselves on here at Yarra is our community and mm -hmm. community development and also our impact on the community. Sure. And we call it Community Links now. may have been called social service or community service. Mm -hmm. Do you recall... Any involvement in that sort of aspect of your learning? None, to be honest. Um, although I did have a flick through some old papers that um, my mum had collected over the years, and I, I did see a 1987 service award that I must have gotten for doing something right. Okay, <laughs> I yeah. I can't remember. Can't even remember what it was. But I'm so I'm sure we did have those sort of programs. I can't remember sure. my direct involvement, but sure. it must have been involved. One of the areas that, in fact, some of our Yarra old grammarians mm. are um, are getting more involved in is our um, our involvement in the Good Friday appeal oh, right. for the Royal Children's Hospital. Yeah, and great now, cause. not only do we have current students and families out collecting on Good Friday, but now we've got a number of YOG teams who mm -hmm. gather back together and it, they use it as a bit of a reunion, a bit of a catch-up. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that that's a, a new um, opportunity for YOGs to, mm. to come back and, and be part of, for some of them, something that they did while they were at school yeah. and now they're coming and reliving some of those uh, great memories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I wonder whether you recall the school motto, Lavavi Oculus. Any thoughts about or memories of what that means? I will I will help you out. It's Latin for lift up my eyes. I lift okay. up my eyes. Right. Uh, I wonder if I offer that term to you. Yeah. What does that mean to you? How do you resonate with that? Um, that's something that I think I did personally, again, in my later years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think one of the catalysts for that was um, when I was doing my, my MBA, um, a lecturer that I actually developed a relationship with um, quite um, was helped or encouraged me to do exactly that and was to look beyond what my current focus was, was look, look, 
you know, sort of open my, I'll take the blinkers off even is probably another way to put it too, yeah. Yeah. Um, and think outside the norm, mm. Mm. you know, um, and, you know, sort of start to challenge some of the sort of tenacious ideas that we have in life and in, particularly in business. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that sort of has affected me later in life, if you like. Yeah. 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 Or caught up with me later in life, yeah. We're here and uh, having the opportunity to chat with Mark Boys from the class of 1987. And uh, we've been to NASA and back. We've, uh, we've spent some time in the gym um, doing lots of uh, bench pressing and uh, we've recalled a little bit about our experiences at school. But I wonder, um, Mark, whether you might talk about... We've, we've explored a little bit about creativity and, uh, and you as a creative person, now creative thinking is, mm. is part of your uh, interest and, and study and, and how to manage teams and encourage them to stay creative in their thinking. I understand that you know a little bit about the ancient art, is it, of blacksmithing. Yeah. What, what, is, what, what is blacksmithing and <clears throat> what, what, is, what attracted you to that? Sure. Well, what is it? Well, it's basically turning raw metals into something of value or something that is useful. And, it, and I guess, in, as you say, in the olden days, um, it was really an essential art. Um, you know, if you wanted a tool made, you had to go to the blacksmith. If you wanted your horse shod, you had to go to the blacksmith. If you wanted a door handle, you had to go to the blacksmith. They basically made everything. Mm. Um so it is, it's a dying art, but there's a few people out there that are continuing that. Uh, and it, I, I um, came across it at Mont Delancey, and in fact it was, um, there was a student in my year, uh, Martin Sabir, who got a link to Mont Delancey, mm-hmm. um, and there was a blacksmith out there doing blacksmithing courses and um, wanting to explore all sorts of creativity and, and you know, I, I'd do some illustration on the side, I'd do some painting on the side and I thought, well, i maybe give blacksmithing a go and, um, you know, I went and did the course and made myself a fire poker set and, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really interesting just to, you know, how you can turn just a raw piece of metal into basically anything you want. Yes. And, you know, the teacher was just amazing. You know, they make, they can just turn a piece of rod of iron into a, a rose and just, yeah, incredible. Yeah. And the proudest or the, the piece that you're proudest of that you've created yourself? Oh, definitely my fire poker set. It's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And do you use it regularly at this yeah. time of year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's excellent. Mm. And is that something that you get to participate in and practice or do you need certain equipment that you've got to go and... Yeah, so you, there are specialist equipment and, yeah. you know, it's it's... You don't have it in your backyard. No, I don't. I don't do it regularly. And, um, yeah, it's something I just wanted to try. Yeah. So it wasn't. I don't do it regularly. I could pick up a hammer and anvil and bash something out, but yeah, yeah there's there's some techniques. I guess it's like anything you got to practice and mm. keep keep it going. So for somebody who at school was okay in the graphics and art area, mm-hmm. but didn't consider yourself necessarily academic, maybe a bit creative. Now, as a pastime, as mm-hmm. a bit of a hobby on the side, a bit of blacksmithing, why not? Yep. And some illustration work. Tell us a little bit about that. Is that because you always walk around with a pen and pad or do you...? Yeah, uh, well, again, it's something I took up later in life. And when I left Yarra, I, I went and studied uh, photography 
And um, I did photography here at Yarra um, back in the days when we had the dark room. I'm not yeah. sure if you still have it. Um, but we had the dark room. I spent a lot of lunch times in the dark room printing, mm. you know, printing photos. And um, uh, for the one of the relationships I did build up with the photography teacher that we had here mm. at the time. And um, he... Over the one of the school holidays, organised with a friend of his who was a photographer for me to go and work for him. Oh, great. And um, you know, I worked as a photographer's assistant for him, you know, casually for you know art post era as well. Yeah. And that that really sort of spurred my interest to become a photographer at that time. So I went and studied photography right. um, and studied photojournalism to be to be honest. And did you work in that field? Yeah, so I did it freelance. Yeah. Um, so I worked at that. Um, that was in the pre-digital era, yeah. um, and then when the digital cameras came on board, it was really cost prohibitive for me to, to shift. Early so on, yes. So I ended up landing a job in a corporate role, and yeah. that consumed me for probably 20 years of my life before I had that awakening and lifted up my eyes and yes. and decided to go on a different, slightly different path. Yeah. You know. um, and you're happy you made those adjustments? Yeah, sure. More yeah, content? No regrets, but yeah, happy, yeah, absolutely happy mm. that I've, I'm on a... You know, the path that I probably could have been on mm. earlier, but yes, yeah. yes, and and whether that's about time and place or whether <clears> it's about you know that that notion of sometimes our work can consume us and Correct. life can consume us so much Absolutely. that we we just stay on that conveyor belt and just keep trundling forward. Absolutely, and every now and then it is let's take a step back, hang on a minute, let's mm. look, lift our eyes and, and look around. Was it a catalyst? What was was there something in particular that uh, that led to a pivot, a change? Yeah, I think it was it definitely was meeting Arthur. Now Arthur's my mentor, and I met during my MBA, and um, and end up being my one of my supervisors on my PhD as well. Um, both his daughters went to Yarra, by the way, uh-huh. and so Arthur uh, Shelley. Okay. Yeah, so Arthur's my mentor, or been my mentor for. She's nearly 10 years now. Great. And um, I think that's a really wonderful thing to have, have that mentor, even even at my age, you know, it, um, is to have someone that can coach and guide you through not just lo- not just sort of work but life. Um, and he's been wonderful and, and certainly was the catalyst for me to, hey, look, there's a big wide world out there. And Arthur was actually introduced me to the guys at NASA because mm. Arthur's done work there as well. So... <clears throat> Mentoring and coaching and that that's sort of becoming more and more apparent. But yes. there may be people who, what does a mentor relationship look like? How how regularly do you meet? Do you meet over coffee or do you meet on the golf course or do, what does uh, that kind of look like? Um, so we meet up reasonably regularly, probably once a month, mm-hmm. um, and have done for the last ten years. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just on the phone. Sometimes it's he'll come around to my place or I'll go around to his place and. Um, and we generally have some sort of agenda to talk about. Um, and then sometimes we meet up socially. So, mm. you know, his wife and my partner would go out for dinner or I'd yeah. come around for dinner. It's just purely social. Yeah. Um, so I consider him a friend and a mentor. Yes. And I think what is the relationship? It's important. It's two-way. Okay. You know, so I'll give him advice and he gives me advice and it's uh, that's uh, that's important. It's not, yes. it's not a top-down... Yeah. Type, um, type of relationship. And how did you go about finding a mentor? Or did it just kind of evolve into that sort of a... Just happened, yeah. yeah. Just so, happened, yep. um, yeah, Arthur, I said, was one of my lecturers during the MBA and, um, yeah, he we just sort of struck it up, this 
I guess we're both on the same wavelength. Yes. Yeah, and in, in, it's not it's not about that we're surrounding ourselves with like-minded people. It's actually, in fact, we challenge each other, and I think that's where it yeah. hit off. And there's there's mutual respect, and there's a, a level of understanding, yeah. and uh, and there's a an, an honesty and and I guess a vulnerability that you you develop over ten years of, right. of meeting regularly. Particularly if you can look back and and see his involvement in significant moments in your life. Yeah career changes and so on, then then that makes you more and more open to his guidance or wisdom mm. or counsel or perspective. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I guess where we where this question started is, you know, how did I, what did I do for illustration? Now, Arthur's an author. Okay. So Arthur, the author. So he he's written a number of books over those years and has asked me to illustrate a Terrific. few of those. So yes. um, we've already, we've, not only is he mental, but we have a working relationship too. Yes. So we're... I will illustrate some of those books, and yes. um, you know, or I'll provide him illustrations because he's also a speaker. So he does the the circuit in terms of knowledge management um, around the world. He's the global knowledge manager for Cadbury's. Um, wow. He was, and, and he's on that circuit. Yep. So yep. Um, quite often I'll produce graphic graphics for his presentations yep. that you know conceptually show an idea or yes. a way to manage knowledge and. And we'll come up with those diagrams. And, yes, yes. Yeah. So they're like infographics or are uh, they, they... They could be just, you know, diagrams or infographics mm. or actually just il- abstract il- illustrations to stimulate a conversation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So your name's on the uh, on a couple of books, yeah, on a couple of sure. book covers. Yeah. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look out for those for sure. Yeah. Well, it's more <laughs> Arthur's name than mine, but uh, yes, a few illustrations, certainly. yeah. The, uh, the, you're providing a service in that sense, aren't Correct. you? You know, yeah. he, he's done the, the thinking and the planning yeah. and then you've got to make it, I guess, put it in a format that, that is mm. a, another way to present it. Yeah. Yeah, that, and mm. all part of your creativity. Whether it's advice from Arthur or not, mm. I wonder if you can think back over your journey to the best advice that you've received or maybe the best advice you might offer our audience today? Yeah. I, I was actually... Can I put a negative slant on that for okay. a second? Yeah. Um, the advice I got from my father early on at the end of school was um, it's all about how much money you're going to earn <laughs> and that is so wrong. Yeah, okay. You know, and I've, I've, I've learned to realise that that is not right. Yeah. It's not about getting yourself a job that... Is going to earn you lots of money. Yeah, you know, to me, it's more about happiness, and I think, I think I've realised that myself, yeah. and it's taken me probably 20, 25 yeah. years to realise that. Um, so I think it was my own advice that said, "No, hang on, mm. it's more about making a difference and being happy in mm. your own life than making money." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think that's still a driver for a lot of people. And Absolutely. you see it in the corporate world all the time. For sure, yeah. for sure. So what makes you happy? I think making a difference. Mm. Um, and also, uh, I did a bit of reading around Ken Robinson. I don't know if, you, if you're aware of Ken Sir Robinson. Sir Ken. Sir Ken, yeah. And I I'm, I'm think I'd be one of his number one fans. Um, Arthur got to meet him recently when he was here in Victoria recently and I'm sorry, I, I couldn't make it, unfortunately, but Ken says you know you're happy when time doesn't matter, and that is so true. And I know mm. if I sit down to 
do a painting or do an illustration or even you know, working with Arthur on a, on a new concept for knowledge management um, or a new model for project management, something like that. Time just passes. Mm. You know, time flies. Time doesn't matter. You, know, you think it's been five minutes, but it's been three hours, mm. and that's when you know you're happy. Mm. And you go to that space from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I try to be in that space as much as I can. If you're watching the clock, you're not happy. That's right, yeah. Mm. That's fascinating. That's great. Um, I wonder whether um, you might talk a little bit about being uh, a thinker and a creative thinker and seeking to be diverse and also spending some time at a, a high-tech organisation like NASA. Mm. Is there a, a tool or an app or a, a I don't know, maybe a, a website or a, a piece of a device or a, a, an application that you find really fundamentally critical to your day-to-day, something that motivates you, inspires you, organises you, something that, that we either have or haven't heard of that we might go and check out based on your recommendation? Gee, that's really that's tough, isn't it? You know, we've sort of changed tact a little bit, Yeah, is that I think there's too much in this today's society to, to turn to an app or mm. a website. Or, and for me, it's actually my mindset. Okay. Yeah, it's actually not technology. It's not an app. And, in fact, I work in a technology space. Yeah. And, and what I, you know, for, for technology to work well in, organ- or in an organisation, there's, there's a number of different streams that it needs to work well in and need to be aligned for that technology to work well and get the most value out of it. And first of all, it's strategic. So have you got the right strategy? Um. And then it's architectural, like to what is the technology? How does that technology line up with your strategy? And the third one is people. Mm-hmm. You know, do they have the right mindset, the right capabilities to actually use that technology to its fullest value? Mm-hmm. And so I think that third piece, because the, the strategy and the technology is easy. Mm-hmm. Anyone can develop those. But do they have the right mindset? Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't matter what app it is, what website it is, if you don't go into that with the right mindset... Mm-hmm then you won't get the value out of it. So do you practice any particular habits or techniques to, to continue to grow or <clears throat> develop your own? Well, I'm right into fitness, as you can see. But no, <laughs> no, no I, I, think, I think it's more about just being aware of your own state and yeah. where you are. And it's not, I don't do that through meditation. I don't through, do, through, do that through any other means, but it's just about knowing yourself. Uh-huh. And knowing if you are happy or not, yeah. and knowing that where your mindset is. So if you're sitting in a meeting, for example, or if you're undertaking a particular task, knowing yourself to challenge yourself at that particular point in time, um, without you know following the status quo all the time. Mm. Mm. So yes, so it's an awareness of self, correct, and, and how you're showing up in different environments, and yep. uh, and I guess once you're aware of it, being able to modify that. Correct, and it's not just it's so modifying my behaviour to to suit that environment as well, um, and that's something I work greatly with my son on. Mm. You know, so understanding is your behaviour appropriate for that time? Mm. Are my decisions appropriate for that time? Am I, you know, do I just sit back and be quiet, or do I actually say something at this mm. point in time? Mm. Yeah. yeah, and and thinking through the the implications of those actions. Yeah, perhaps even before you take it. 
And that's right. And there's no app that's going to solve that. No, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the app for me, if you like, yeah. um, the 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 tool perhaps is is pen and paper. Yeah. You know, it's certainly not an app, sure. and, and yes, we use them and we rely on them. But for me, it's it's a pen and paper <clears throat> or my journal, and uh, and that's how I kind yeah, of work through some stuff. And and th- I guess throughout my P, I'm the same. And throughout my PhD, I kept a journal, mm. and a, and it was a visual journal. So mm. there's very few pages where there's lots of words and no pictures. There's mm. more pictures than words. Yes. And I can flick through that journal at any point in time, look at a picture, and go, I know what my mindset was at that on that day when I drew that. Yeah. And that's my memory. But that journal is my memory, and that's now locked away in a safe because if I, if I lose that, I lose my mm. thought trains. Mm. Yeah. But I, I open it up every now and then. Yeah, and absolutely. It. Yeah, it's, they're good to look back on because yeah. – and when I <clears throat> myself got into sketch noting, yeah. uh, it was around the notion of uh, taking lots and lots of notes of a speaker or mm-hmm. a, a lecture or whatever – the intent was that I would go back and learn from those, and but I never went back. Yeah. Whereas sketch noting, which is is graphic recording, visual yep. note taking, yeah. yeah. I can within a picture, within a page, I can very easily remember. It takes me back and remember what they were actually talking about, and I enjoy looking at it. Yeah. So I'm much more likely to go back to that than read notes and notes and notes and pages and pages Absolutely. of scribbly notes. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Tell me, what are you working on at the moment that you are excited about? Something that's just around the corner, or you know, something sure. that's uh, keeping um, you actively engaged? Yeah. So the, there's a couple of little mini side projects we're working on at the moment. There's so we, Arthur and I and his daughter Kath, um, we sort of have a committee for a conference called Creative Melbourne. So that happens in February every year. Uh, so next year will be the third instance or the third occasion, or third event, and um, so we're now turning our eyes towards February 2019 for Creative Melbourne, um, so that that's on the go. So give us a bit of a plug, who goes there, <coughs> who's interested in that? Uh, so this is all about getting creative minds together, and when, when we say creative, it's not about getting artists and painters and, and the like, this is about getting people that are in business, in organisations, that want to be more creative. Um, so this is about getting, um, you know, getting those people together as a community, and that community takes on projects, creative projects. And um, you know, last year we've uh, over the last two years we've been working on a project. Um, there's some some people from Russia come over and we're actually working on a project to for youth development in how they can improve their visual communication, such mm. as things like sketch noting. Mm. So we've actually developed an education program that's now been rolled out um, through in Russia, um, mm. and that, that's a result of direct result of Creative Melbourne. Mm. So if people want to know more about it, where would they go? Um, they can Google Creative Melbourne, um, and that'll that'll take them to the website. Mm. Yep. Terrific. So you can have a look at who's there and who's coming next year. Yeah, great. Yeah. And if you come along, I'll be there. I'll see you there. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll keep you informed. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so you've got it. That's a that's a big side project. Yeah. Other things that... Uh... So Arthur's working on a new book. It's okay. called The Organisational Zoo 2. Right. Um, so I'm to write a chapter in that book. Terrific. Um, so that'll be my... F- I've written a couple of ar- articles, you know, published article, magazine articles with Arthur previously but this will be the first time I've actually written mm. a chapter of a book so that'll Excellent. be that's exciting. Yeah it is. Mm. Too right. Too right. Yeah.
That's great. That's great. Well, there's plenty of things uh, on the go then, and uh, I, I guess there's some there's a theme through that isn't it there's a thread through that mm. of but also that that notion of look always looking for the next thing sure. and, uh, and being creative in that and exploring yeah. other options and that's terrific yeah. i wonder as we get close to wrapping uh, our time together as uh, um as we get close to wrapping up our time together this uh podcast is named inspired by yarra mm-hmm. and i wonder if you can just touch on anything from your time here at yarra that has influenced you to where you think you are now. Sure. How did you get here because of Yarra? Yeah, I, I think the main thing was, again, that relationship with the teachers. And, you know, if I cast my mind back to, there was a couple of guys that worked in the graphic design department. Their names escape me at the moment. But um, was, you know, they encouraged you and built your own confidence, mm. you know, and that they, they gave you the freedom to explore. And I, that's what I liked about the creativity was that, mm. you know, as opposed to if you're studying, you know, science or biology, it was all very, it was in the textbook and the answers are in the back of the book. And um, But the art and the graphic design for me was uh, you had the freedom to explore. Mm. You know, how, how do you want to present that? Yeah. Not this is how you should present it. Mm. You know, flowers aren't always red, mm-hmm. you know, or roses aren't always red. So, you know, have the power to explore and do something different and i think yeah. that's resonated with me and some people feel comfortable in that space yes and others don't no because they want it to be particularly accountants <laughs> that's right <laughs> it, it, it has to there has to be an answer yeah and you either get the answer right or wrong correct but in the creative space <clears throat> there so, are multiple possible so, solutions yeah dealing with the ambiguity was yeah yeah was uh, or allowing yourself to deal with that ambiguity yes it certainly has flown on today. Yes, yes. My last question for you. Mm. Um, Is there a question that I haven't asked you that you wished I had? Oh, God. No, I don't think so, Paul. So let me go back then. I asked you earlier um, and you said maybe we can come back to it, Uh, and that is around was there something that was important to you while you were a young lad here at school Mm -hmm. that time, experience, wisdom has shown you now that it's not as important to you. So it was important to you as a young person, but it's not important to you now. Yeah, I don't think so. I I actually Mm -hmm. don't think I've changed that much, to Mm -hmm. be honest. I don't think my values have changed. I don't think my beliefs have changed. I I think, you know, family has always been important to me, and I think Mm -hmm. it's probably more important to me now than it was in those days. So that's the flip question. Yeah, what is important to you now that wasn't important to you <clears throat> back then? Yeah, absolutely family first. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's um, great. Community second. Yeah. 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 All of our other stuff after. But mm. yeah, definitely family. That's great. Yeah. That's and, great. You know, I lost my mum a couple of years ago and that really hits home when mm. you lose someone that close to mm. you that how important family really is. Yes. Mm. Yes. We uh, still consider you to be part of the Yarra family, mm-hmm. and uh, and on that note, it is it has been delightful and uh, really intriguing for me to sit down with uh, Mark Boys from the class of 1987. Mark, thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your uh, creativity and in taking us on the journey through um, different aspects of your life and and the way you look at life uh, mm-hmm. is uh, is pretty inspirational. I think. Thank you for your time and uh, thanks for being part of the Yarra family. My pleasure, Paul. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
Well, there you go. That all but wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mark Boys. <laughs> Remarkable. Even that his 10-year-old son had the privilege and the opportunity to go where many, many young people would only dream of being able to step inside to a space shuttle. A real live space shuttle that travels people into outer space. It's remarkable. Remarkable what humankind can create and imagine and then go and do. Hope you've enjoyed this conversation. You can find out more about this podcast and ways to stay connected via the community section on our website at yvg.vic.edu.au. You can go and catch up on other interviews that we've had with other Yarra Old Grammarians. Read some show notes, check out a little bit more about their story. And indeed, Yogs are encouraged to look us up on LinkedIn and join the group Yarra Old Grammarians Connect. And I hope you'll join us next episode when we sit down with another Yog to see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, like it, leave us a rating and review, maybe even share it with somebody else who you think would enjoy it too. I look forward to joining with you next conversation that we have with a Yarra Old Grammarian. My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you get out there and make a positive impact in the world around you. Thank you.